The Paul Kaharski Podcast is brought to you by Yazoo Brewing Company, a Nashville original since 2003. Welcome in to the Paul Kuharski Podcast from paulkuharski.com. I'm Paul Kuharski. Get my name in there as often as I can right out of the gate. Um, no Madison Blevins this week and no guest. We're going to try something a little bit different. Uh, I have done these alone on occasion. Last week, rather than doing a mailbag, I found myself just with stuff left to say on several Titans topics of the week. Uh, and I find myself in that position again this week. And so I thought... Um, in what's been kind of a crazy and hectic week for me. Uh, I'd give you a quick hitter podcast kind of hitting on those things, um, and we'll leave it there. So uh, maybe I don't get you through the entire workout or the commute, but part of it, and uh, I hope that's satisfactory. Brought to you, as always, on the podcast and by Yazoo Brew. Uh, great stuff in Nashville. I encourage you, uh, if you're a beer drinker, to sample some i'm partial to the hefeweizen but they've got something for everybody and you should definitely check it out and uh without further ado i'll run into uh four or five things i've been contemplating here and wanted to say a little bit more about uh one of them is about predetermined throws so we've heard uh blake bettingfield and uh greg cosell talk about the idea that blaine gabbert who i think is going to wind up starting this game again it certainly sounds like Mariota's uh, in a familiar place. Uh, certainly, it's possible he gets better, but uh, it seems like it's going to be Gabbert. And and both of those, uh, an analyst and a scout, said that they felt like there were some predetermined throws for Blaine Gabbert in that game plan against the Texans. Now, I imagine that he would scoff at that idea, and he did. Gabbert, you know, said that's a high school or maybe a college thing where you have a you know, half field or something like that. But uh, in the pros, it's it's not happening. Now, I think there are probably different ways to couch it in terms of what exactly qualifies as a predetermined throw. And I think, um, you know, whether it's um, reasonable or not for him to be, uh, I, don't, I don't know if embarrassed is the right term, but, you know, it, it's not something that boasts about a quarterback's capabilities if you're saying he's coming out of the huddle knowing where he's throwing it and provided he sees X, then he throws it. I still think there were throws like that uh, in this game. And and the thing that struck me about it is, uh, you know, those analysts were saying in the Miami game after Gabbert took over that some of those throws looked like he came out of the huddle um, predetermined where to throw it. And, and that's a bad thing, right, if you come into a game plan and it's like that. But then both Greg and Blake made it sound like the predetermined throws that he had in this game were by design. And I was struck, and that was really the final point for me of, of the excellence of Mike Vrabel's game plan and Matt LaFleur's game plan in this game uh, in the win over the Texans where they had limitations in terms of pass protection and the run blocking because they were down the fourth and fifth tackles because it was the first game without Delaney Walker and because it was the first start for Gabbert. Um, but rather than looking at what may have qualified as, as him predetermining some throws in the opener, they, uh, rather than begrudging that or finding fault with that, actually embraced it and, and used it with some effect um, against the Texans. I think that's a really uh, important coaching point, and that really serves to illustrate just how good a job Mike Vrabel and the staff did in that, in that game and what they're willing to do. You know, they take something that almost everybody would perceive as a negative and a limitation 
and uh, and build it into the game plan where uh, since it's something Gabbert's capable of doing and doing reasonably well, uh, they, they create a way for him to do more of it instead of being like, oh, my God, uh, you know, w- we got to work around this or get rid of it. So I was struck by that. Uh, another thing that came up this week was was kind of the volume that Taewon Taylor and some of the receivers could handle. And um, Vrabel said it on his radio show on Tuesday night, and uh, I asked Taewon about it this week. Um, you know, that's another thing that could be kind of insulting to a player because it comes across as, uh, you know, you could read into it that you're questioning a guy's mental capacity. Hey, he can't handle too much on his plate. But Vrabel's saying it's not just Taylor, it's everybody. Uh, we want them to know all the positions, but we have to kind of define the line where a guy uh, is knows as much as he can know and can play it uh, fast and aggressive like we want, or where we push too far and we're asking him to, to have a handle on too much and it slows him down. And that line's obviously different for other people. Taylor Taylor played a lot more in the second game than he played in the first game, but that seems uh, to pick up a little bit on, on what we thought of him as a rookie and that, uh, you know, you need to keep it somewhat narrow for him. Um, and so I, I, I think, again, that's a good coaching thing. They're, they're not calling him out and saying, oh, Taewon Taylor could only handle this much. And what a burden on us. They're saying, hey, we realize that there's a, a limit um, to what this guy could take on at this time and to what other guys could take on at this time. And we're going to um, respond to that and not overload him to try to maximize. Again, there's that word maximize. And we heard about the failure to maximize, I think, a, a half dozen times in John Robinson's press conference where he was talking about um, why Mike Malarkey wasn't going to be back. And here we see a couple examples of uh, why uh, why that's not necessarily a, 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 why that's a theme or why they, they wanted to find somebody who could do better with it the way that um, – that they're doing better with it now. I wanted to look up this down report and talk about uh, first down runs because the Titans have been, this is topic three, too heavy a run team on first down, right? I think everybody agrees for that, and I apologize that I didn't dig out the uh, the week one statistics. In week two, they were clearly very heavy uh, running the ball on first down, and that included some some wildcat, certainly, um, and, and the like. Um, so the thing is that, uh, Vrabel, I asked him about this and he said, you know, if there's a mandate from the head coach to run the ball 40 times, then, uh, it's going to be, a lot of those runs are going to come on first down. And so it, it's going to be off balance. I'm going to say in the sample size at this stage isn't big enough. And certainly, um, they're going to strive to to do more uh, and to be more diverse on first down than they have been. But uh, I'm looking at, at Warren Sharp's box score from the game. The Titans on first down ran 22 offensive plays, um, and and uh, there was only one explosive rush, zero explosive passes on that. Uh, I thought there'd be a run breakdown here, but there isn't. Um, but we know, yeah, I can break it down here. I can pull down rush. So we said 22 offensive plays. 
And now I pulled down the rush button and 16. So they ran 16 of 22 first downs they ran. I don't think you can blame them in a game where they were trying to run the ball 40 times. And I think they wound up running the ball uh, 40, I mean, I'm sorry, 34 times. They keep saying they, that mission accomplished on running it 40 times. Lafleur did say that um, he thinks he called 40 runs. Now, some of them had a, uh, a check to a pass, but that he counts those as runs. So um, they were determined to be run heavy. And they need to be run heavy um, you know, to a degree, maybe not the same proportion. Um, as they were last time. I, we revisited this on Midday 180, but if you didn't hear that, Warren Sharp again. Uh, the, a big reason the Titans were so successful against the Jaguars last year is because the Jaguars are very good defense against three wide receiver sets, and no team ran less three wide receiver in 2017 than the Tennessee Titans. So before the AFC title game last year with the Jaguars uh, at New England, Jacksonville had allowed uh, against three wide a 39% success rate to offenses, 4.9 yards per attempt, and a 73 passer rating. But if you had no more than two wide receivers on the field, a 55% success rate, 9.6 yards per attempt, and a 99 passer rating. The Titans were a big reason why, but the Titans, as a two tight end team, were 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 set up for more success against the Jaguars than these teams that were forcing three wide. We'll see how much they pick up on it. Early down throws, I think, to running backs and tight ends could key this game if the Titans are to kind of pick up where they left off in terms of, of beating the Jaguars. And uh, and Sharp points out that it's it's not a bad thing to be in 11, in three wide. It's a bad thing to throw to receivers out of three wide. And that running out of that spread out personnel, out of three wide personnel is the way to go against the Jaguars. So that's a couple things to look for based on Warren Sharp's very good analysis last year of how the Titans were successful against the Jaguars uh, two times. I want to say a word about the light blue numbers, and I think you guys have heard me bitch about this, uh, the light blue uniforms. The numbers are were really hard to read uh, just from the back of the first level at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Uh, Vrabel really scoffed when I asked him this week if they had trouble seeing the numbers on film. Uh, he could have just said no, but he kind of expounded on the ridiculousness of the question. Uh, whether it's hard for the coaches to see it or not, to me, the, those numbers are there so that people could identify players. And those light blue jerseys fail in a major, major way. Jacksonville, I think, has a little bit of a higher camera angle. Certainly the press box is a lot higher. It's more centered, but it's a lot higher. And that is a sunny town. Uh, I've covered many a game there in the blaring sunshine. Uh, if you're seeing high angle views of this game during the game, or certainly uh, in, in looking at any kind of uh, coaching angle replays after the game, good luck seeing the numbers. This is a, uh, really a disaster in terms of uniform design that these things passed some sort of test, insufficient test, obviously, in terms of uh, the visibility of the numbers. The reason for the numbers is so that you know which player is which. And a lot of people in that stadium and a lot of replays are not going to lend themselves to knowing which player is which 
which I think is a huge disappointment and a huge failure. Uh, finally, I wanted to talk about this life hack that I found. Um, and this is uh, not safe for work. Uh, and uh, you kids out there need to turn off the podcast right now because they're going to use some adult language. Uh, and these are some words I've had occasion to use this week. But uh, if you're sick of your iPhone or your cell phone um, correcting your F-bombs in texts or, or emails conceivably, but in texts in particular, if I type fuck, it gets changed to duck. Uh, I read this amazing life hack, and I now have in my phone contacts an entry for a person named fuck fucking fucked fucker, which covers me on those four words. And lo and behold, if I type any of those four words now into a text, it does not get autocorrected because it's in my phone as a legitimate name. And if you're like me, you're going to agree. All four of those names, absolutely legitimate and sometimes necessary in a conversation amongst friends. So I highly recommend this life hack. It's worked wonders for me. Again, I've had cause to use those words maybe a little bit more often than usual this week. Like when I backed my car out of the midday 180 remote on Friday into I didn't back it into, I turned it into as I backed poorly out of a parking spot and I turned the front right bumper of my car into a uh, cement block that's holding up uh, the equivalent of a street light and basically tore the bumper off my car. Kirby Allen Kirby, I now have a compliment next time I lose the truth according to Kirby. He, along with the guy from the place where we were doing the, the remote, Dickens Turf and Landscape, uh, taped it up, used some zip ties. My car's fully functional. And next week in another unforeseen Kuharski family event, we will be taking the car to the body shop. That's why they call me lucky. That's your iPhone life hack of the week. I hope you enjoy it. Um, my thanks to Yazoo Brewery. For those of you who are not members here, uh, these podcasts are typically uh, longer and a small piece of them is for everyone, and the rest of them, often with a guest or co-hosted by Madison Blevins, available to members only, um, as is uh, as are most of the uh, Periscope and Facebook Lives I do. I'll be doing one from Everbank Field. It's no longer called Everbank Field. I don't know the new name. I'll be doing one from there after the game is over on Sunday with immediate analysis and insight from locker room interviews. It's only one way to watch that, and that's to be a member of paulkuharski.com. Go to the site, hit the membership button, check it out. Price of a cup of coffee or a beer. You could be part of those. You could read everything I write. You could read Blake Bettingfield, the former Titan scout who previews every game and gives a scouting review after every game. That alone is worth the price of admission. I hope you'll consider joining up. Again, my thanks to Yazoo Brew sponsor of this fine podcast thanks to all of you who are members look forward to having some of you who aren't join and i hope you enjoy the game uh on sunday and they give us uh something interesting to talk about uh you've been listening to the paul kuharski podcast best wishes from paul kuharski take care everybody thanks the paul kuharski podcast is a joint production of paulkuharski.com and vocal for more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.